is received, not achieved. And every other religion or way of man that says you've got to achieve your way to God, but your blood says otherwise. Your blood says, your blood promises that salvation is received, not achieved. We give you glory and we thank you, Jesus. Because of your blood, we can come boldly and confidently before the throne of grace to receive mercy and grace in time of need. We say that scripture a lot because we believe it and it's incredible. But I love the scripture before it that says we have a high priest who empathizes with us because he was tempted in every way yet did not sin. And that's why we can come boldly and confidently into your presence before your throne to receive grace and mercy. And we receive it right now, Lord. We thank you for your grace, the free gift. We lay aside every ounce of striving. We lay at your feet all our works. And we receive your pure gift. Your free gift. We thank you that it was love, not nails, that kept Jesus on that cross. We give you glory. We worship you, Jesus. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father God. We love you and we give you tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Yeah, let's give Jesus a hand. Amen. Awesome. Welcome, everyone. My name's Dorian, if I haven't met you. And uh, yeah, very warm welcome to anyone joining us for the first or the second time. It's great to have you with us. And um, who enjoyed the weather today? Beautiful out there. Yeah, you, you all look a bit burnt. It's good. Just a couple of announcements. Uh, we're on Wednesday night, 7.30 downstairs in the room. So please join us. Pastor Rabs will be bringing uh, a Bible study. And there is another church service running after this service downstairs. So as we finish... They're still going, so just be mindful of that. Try not to speak too loudly outside the room downstairs. And um, kids, kids have already left us, but it's for kids age four and up. And if you do want to visit your children, don't go visiting children that aren't yours. But if you want to visit your children, do so by the door outside. Try not to use this door because it'll just um, distract them and us. And um, yeah, as soon as the service is over, just go and collect them 
so that um, we can relieve the team in there. But who's excited to hear from Pastor Tony tonight? Who loves Pastor Tony? Who loves what he brings? Who loves his jokes? All right, let's let's give it up for Pastor Tony tonight. Hello. Hallelujah, it worked. Round of applause for the technicians. Back. Take it back. Just like Telstra. Once you feel like you've got through, they drop a bomb on you. Praise God. No. Now let's get round of applause for everyone that serves. Amen. Chris, the team that set up the worship. Um, guys that, you know, there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes, and we honor you guys, every single one of you that help. And we, we, we couldn't do this without you. You, know, you give us, uh, uh, Rabs and I, a chance to do what God's called us to do. And we think it's amazing that uh, God can call us to serve him in his kingdom. Sometimes we, we look at uh, our life and is what, what's in it for me? But sometimes we need to know what can I give back? What is it can I contribute to the kingdom of God? And there was a story about a lady who walks up to Jesus and she's wiping his feet with her hair and... She's, you know, washing his feet. And, and the Pharisees said, well, if he was a real man of God, he would know what type of woman is touching him. In that culture of that day, of that time, women didn't have many rights. And especially a woman who, like this woman that Jesus had prayed for earlier, said, well, you know, if he knew what type of woman she was. And Jesus, knowing what they were thinking, said, this woman's preparing for my burial. Who has been given much, loves much. And what she's doing, she'll be remembered for eternity, forever. It'll be written about her. And it's something that, what can we give back to our master, amen? You're new here, you're welcome. I've met a few people today already that knew uh, you're amongst family here. So please sit tight, um, hold your wallet because I'm coming to get it. No, I'm joking because that's what the first new people think. We're coming to take your money. We're not. But we're going to come and give you something, the love of Jesus, amen? Amen. 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 1 John 4, 17. Today I'm going to talk about that scripture, that perfect love casts out all fear. And sometimes we use it and we, and, and we declare it and we pray in it, in the scripture, but we don't really understand it. So tonight, in the best possible way, I want to try and touch on this, this scripture and about the love of God and the fear of the Lord today, Okay. So we're going to have a look at this in, in, in its context. Remember, we never take Scripture out of its setting. Amen? The biggest mistake we can do is get a Scripture and we go, oh, look what the Scripture is saying, and we haven't looked at it in its context or we haven't read it in, in, in its proper setting. And we take it out and we can run off on a tangent. And here, we're going to start from verse 17. Love has been perfected. Everyone say perfected. Amongst us in this, that we may love boldness, have boldness in that day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Now that scripture alone has been taken out of context in the church. Next verse. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Next verse. We love him because he first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. Let's put this in context. He's talking about the love of God. 
the love of God that's been perfected amongst us, meaning that the love of God. Now, people see God as a tyrant. People see God as an all-sovereign being, creator of heaven and earth. You, you can talk to many different religions, and they'll tell you that there's a supreme being. We believe that God created all things. It uh, doesn't matter what religion you go to uh, in that context, they'll believe. Or some people believe in a higher power and all this sort of stuff. Here we say that the God that we serve, if you read it all in context and for sake of time, I'll, I'll, um, I'll, I'll tell you what it says and trust me, it's there. If not, go and check it out for yourself. Maybe I'm lying. But the love of God has been perfected in us. How? That he would send his one and only son to die on a cross for, in my place. Here it says, if we can go back to verse 17, please. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment because he, as he is, so are we in this world. What does that mean? As he is, so are we in this world. Many people have taught that when we become Christians, we become like Christ, which is true. The Christ likeness comes in our spirit. A minute I got born again, I got born into his nature, into his likeness, into his character through the precious blood of Jesus on the cross. There was a punishment that was, was deserving through the, the breaking of the law. Some people say to me, well, I never broke any law. You know, I don't murder, I don't steal. That's true. But the Bible says that we all have sinned and fallen short of his glory. Sin means I've missed the mark. Who hasn't missed the mark here? Doesn't make you dirty, rotten, foul people. It just means we missed the mark. Christ comes in our place, takes the punishment that we deserve before Adam's time, uh, Adam, past, present, and future. He comes as a substitute to us. Amen? You can't get to heaven without the blood of Jesus. Amen? And if you can, then you have to put your righteousness up. But you know what? When I meet God one day, I'm going to bow my knee before him and say, it's because of the righteousness of Jesus that I put my faith and trust in. I can't give God anything good. The Bible says it's like filthy rags. What can I give him that's good? But because he loves us and his love is so perfect, he knows I'm inferior. He knows you're inferior. What he does, he sends his only begotten son in the likeness of man to die on a cross for us so we could be born of his spirit. Amen. So here he's talking about we have boldness. The word boldness here is we can go with, with, that, with confidence and assurance. We can come boldly. Anyone who have kids here, they're not shy. Dad, I want lollies. There's no uh, timidness. They come, I want my lolly. He's had 47 of them. Now he wants another one. Why? He comes boldly. <laughs> he comes to their parents. Why? Because there's no fear in love. But perfect love casts that all fear. Amen? If you need something from your heavenly father, go to him. Because you're not going to him in your righteousness. You're going to him in his righteousness. Does that make sense? Let's go a bit further in this. The Bible says when you read things like perfection and be perfect, if you read it in this context and in the Greek, it talks about maturity. Here it's talking about the perfect love of God. But when I, if I walk in fear, the Bible says the love of God's not perfected or matured or has not complete in me. God's love is complete. Have I received that love? This is what he's talking about here. That on the day of judgment, I, as I was worshipping here, and, and, and funny enough, Dorian brought it up in, in the opening. Wrote, um, the one I sent you, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Look what this says. Let us therefore come boldly, here he goes again, to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. 
That word again, boldness, some translators say with confidence. You won't walk up to someone if you have no confidence and assurance that this guy's going to receive you. Or you won't walk up to someone or anything, or you won't ask for something if you're not sure how their reaction is going to be, because there's a bit of fear there, a bit of timidness there. How do I come up to our almighty God and say, Lord, um, you know what, um, I need something. But then my fear, not understanding who he is, will stop me from coming boldly. Here it says, walk boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find, uh, mercy and find grace in the time of need. In the Old Testament, if you understand the Jewish concept of the, in the Old Testament, they used to kill a lamb. And only the high priest could take the sacrificial lamb, the blood, and go into that holy place where the Ark of the Covenant was. In other words, that's where God's presence was, behind the veil. And behind the veil, and that, that was in the place called the Holy of Holies. But outside the Holy of Holies, there was a place called the Holy Place or the Inner Court. And then outside that was the Outer Court. And there was only certain steps you could take to get to God. But they had a high priest. Dorian said it in the opening. We have a high priest, Jesus. They had a high priest that was the only one that were able to go into that holy place on behalf of you. Why? To obtain mercy. But now that we are saved by the blood of Jesus, amen, we can come boldly by yourself. You don't need anybody. You can go straight to your Father in heaven to obtain mercy in the time of need because of the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus. Amen? Hallelujah. So tonight, talk about different types of fear so I can establish what I'm trying to say here because tonight I want you to walk out free. Amen? Walk out free. Because the biggest problem we have in today is people living in fear. And we're going to share a few examples here. The first type of fear I want to talk about quickly is the spirit of fear. In 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it says, For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but the power, love, and a sound mind. What did we just read earlier? Fear has to do with torment. Another translation says, fear has to do with punishment. And then that means when I walk in fear, and I'm not perfected in his love, guess what? It's like I'm walking in punishment or I'm walking in torment and the love of God's not perfected here. Here he says, but fear does not come from God. But hang on a second, Tony. The next fear I'm going to talk about is fear of the Lord. I'm confused. Is God schizophrenic? One minute he says, God never gave me a spirit of fear. But the next thing he says, but fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So what is he talking about here? The other fear I want to talk about is internal fear. Spirit of fear is external. We've just gone through two years of media putting fear in people. Nothing but the frequency of fear. Here, you have an internal fear, the next fear, which comes from traumas, experiences, upbringing, bad news. You could grow up in a family dysfunctional, and many times we minister to people, and you know sometimes the underlying issue is that you know the dad might have walked out, and they hate men for the rest of their life. They don't understand why they can't keep relationships. Or sometimes someone hurt them in authority. So now they can't submit to any authority, whether it's a school teacher, a boss. Or sometimes you've been, 
you know, abused in some way, there's certain traumas, or maybe as a kid, you, know, you had a death in the family, and that death in the family caused that, you know, you hear things like, well, sweetheart, you know, dad took you, uh, the Lord took your mom because he needed another angel in heaven. It's probably the dumbest thing you could say to a kid when they just lost their mother. Because now they've got a perception that God took my mom, but what about me? And I know it's trying to be cute and nice, but these little things can, can, can affect someone. So we have the spirit of fear, which is external. We have the internal fears, which is internal traumas, experiences, and the fear of the Lord. But there's one fear that I reckon is the biggest problem we have in the church and outside the church today, which is this one. FOMO. Now, this is deep. This is in the Hebrew and the Greek. I studied it. I checked it out. I couldn't find a thing. So I'm lying. What does FOMO mean? Fear of missing out. The first person to have FOMO was Eve in the garden. Fear of missing out. That she was like God. She was in the image of God. And the enemy comes and says, but if you, what can you do? What can't you do? Because oh, we can do anything we want. But not touch that tree. Why not? Because we'll die. No, you won't. You won't die. You know what? God doesn't want you to eat from that tree. You know why? Because God's bad and he doesn't want you to be like him. And God says, don't touch that tree. Because if you eat from that tree, you'll be exactly like him. Knowing good from evil, right from wrong. The lie was that they, she, she wasn't like God. But God made her in his image. Made Adam and Eve in his image and his likeness. So when she got given a lie, she believed the lie. Isn't it funny that the enemy would tempt you in many different ways because you think you're going to miss out? This is the biggest, biggest disaster I can see right now. I know it's a bit of a joke, but it's a big disaster. The fear of missing out. Eve thought she was going to miss out. She thought God was holding, on her, holding out on her. And God wasn't. God made her exactly like him. Fear of missing out. And it's funny when you think about it, people, get that, that there, and we, we laugh about it because it's, it's a young person saying, you know, fear of missing out. I have to be everywhere. I can't miss out. And the problem we have today is that the internet has got us so connected that you, you don't have to swipe once. Oh, my God, what was it? Why, why was I invited to that party? Oh, they all have coffee without me. And we build all these because we are so connected. The internet has done some great things. It's destroyed some things as well. Insecurity, fear, it all gets risen up in this because the, we are we're so funny. In the old days, everyone lived with each other, didn't they? If you're a wog, you all lived with each other. Sorry, I can't say wog at church. All right. If you're fresh off the boat, oh, you can't say that either. Sorry, everyone gets offended. If you're an immigrant, illegal, no, no, you can't say that either. All right, so if you're not an Aussie and you come to Australia, all right, DJ, relax. I'm joking. We all lived on top of each other. You know, you go to Lebanon, and if I'm from Lebanon, my parents are from Lebanon. Everyone lives in one house. There's 47,000 people living in one room and all that. But then we come to Australia. Oh, I want my independence. So we want our independence. So now we don't live by ourselves. No, no, as soon as I get married, I live by myself. That's awesome. But now we want our own property, but we, we post everything we do. We want our own property, but we want everyone to know what we're doing. Because of the fear of missing out. We, both ways. Do you still love me? The fear of the Lord is the awe and reverence of an almighty God. Yes, he approaches us as a loving, I'm a son, he's my father. 
And there's times I sit there and I pray with him, and it's just that, a loving father talking to his son. And there's times where I get on my face because there's an almighty God ready to move. You don't know what's going to happen. Why? He's the creator of all things. Yet he chose to not call me by name, to call you by name, if you know him. You see, the love of God perfected in you has to be, and you have to understand this, fear is the ultimate control of everything. Fear is the faith. Faith, it's not up there, but faith, the Bible says, is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. In other words, I have a faith that God will do what he says he's going to do, and I believe in that. Fear is the substance of things not hoped for that is going to happen. In other words, fear is maybe I'm going to get sick and die, or maybe the doctor gave me a bad report, or maybe my finances are busted, or maybe, and guess what? We have a fear, which is a type of faith, and guess what? It hasn't happened yet, but we believe it will happen. It's faith, another type of faith. So if the enemy can get you out of peace and harmony and get you into fear, then you start speaking fear, you start sowing to fear, you receive what you believe. People wonder why they have no peace. You know, there was a story, I'll tell this story later. But sometimes that FOMO can camouflage. People say to me, well, I fear God, but, I don't, but I'm scared of man. Or you know, you know, spirit of fear comes upon me. And I, I, I understand that. Sometimes the spirit of fear can come from witchcraft. People dabbling in witchcraft, witchcraft or dabbling from the other side. I'll tell you a story about Elijah. Everyone who knows who Elijah was. Elijah was a prophet of God in the Old Testament. King Ahab was a Jewish king. But Ahab married a woman called Jezebel. Jezebel turned the whole kingdom upside down. They went from not worshipping idols to worshipping idols. Not just worshipping God Almighty, they are worshipping everything. She was sacrificing children to the Baal God and to Moloch and all these things. And one day God had enough. He said, Elijah, go and sort this out. They had tempted God. So now she's introduced all this paganism and idolatry and all this rubbish into the kingdom of God. He was a Jewish king. And now Elijah is in a battle now. They're on top of a mountain called Mount Carmel. And they're having a fight. There's Elijah and there's 800, 850 demonic priests from her temple. And they have a battle. And the battle was, you call on your God, and I'll call on my God. And they did. They did their ceremonies. Nothing happened. They cut themselves. Nothing happened. They rolled over on the dirt. Nothing happened. When Elijah calls down fire from heaven, God came down with fire and consumed the sacrifice and killed every single one of those demonic priests. Did Elijah win? Did God show up? Guess what happens? Elijah now, he fights on behalf of the Lord. Now Jezebel hears about this and she says, tell that prophet by this time tomorrow what he did to my prophets, I'm going to do to him. And Elijah runs for his life. What happened? You just had a fight with 800 demon priests and you won. And one woman, one woman can make you run for your life. I love my wife. And I didn't look at my wife like that. So stop it. One woman spoke. A woman of witchcraft and, and, and woman that was sacrificing children and, and, and virgins to their gods. This is the sort of stuff that was happening. And he ran from his life. What happened? There was a spirit of fear that hit him. And he had this internal fear. 
And it's interesting that those priests challenged God and God showed up. But Jezebel challenged Elijah. And sometimes God allows us to go through a fight so we could grow. And see, see, God's not a genie in a bottle to come and fix every little problem you've got. Because sometimes you've sowed that problem. Now, you don't have to pay the price for it if you come to him, but he'll make a way out. Amen. Imagine changing your baby's nappy when he's 25. It's some, there's some issues there. But we've got to grow in the things of God. Amen. We've got to mature. Have a look at this for a second. I'll tell you two stories about Peter, the Apostle Peter. John 21, 20. There's an interesting story. I reckon he had FOMO. And it says here that Peter turning around and saw the disciples whom Jesus loved. Now, isn't it funny that the disciple that Jesus loved, who was the disciple that Jesus loved? And he's writing the book here. He said, you reckon he has some self-esteem issues? I don't think so. But this is past tense. He's writing this book because he, he understood the love of God for himself. And sometimes we might look at that as arrogance. But I look at that, I know how much God loves me. If you don't understand it, that's your problem. But I stand in the power of the might of Jesus because he loves me. He said his son to die for me. We need to come to a place where we understand that God is for me and not against me. Amen? Peter then turning around saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following and who also had leaned on the, his breast at the Last Supper. And said, Lord, who is the one that betrays you? So he's telling the story that when Jesus was doing the Last Supper, he had his head on Jesus' chest and he asked him, who's, who's going to betray you, Lord? Remember, he said, one of you is going to betray me. And Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about him? Next verse. Jesus said to him, if I, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. And it's interesting, Peter was a lot older. If you look at it, through historic view, and the next couple of weeks, I'm going to share the Last Supper, and we're going, to, we're going to set the Last Supper table on how they actually sat, according to history, and where Jesus sat, where Judas sat. We're going to do it, and we're going to talk about it. You're going to understand a better picture of what, what's going on in Scripture. Here, Peter was a lot older than, than John. We know that when Mary went to the tomb and found Jesus risen, she ran back and told them, and they didn't believe her because she was a woman, and then they ran back. I'm just telling you how they think in those days. Don't be upset. Look, all the Jezebels are looking at me now. I'm joking. So Peter runs to go see the tomb. And guess what? The Bible says that John overtakes him. Why would they say that? Haron, Peter's older. Yeah. So he was a lot older than John. He says, what about him? In other words, Peter's looking at John and he's saying, what about him? He goes, what's it to you? What do I do with him? Even if he wants to remain till I return. And then the rumor went around saying, John's never going to die till Jesus returns. And that's not what he said. He just said, what's it to you? In other words, FOMO hit Peter. He says, you, Peter, follow me. Because before this, he tells Peter, feed my sheep. Look after them. So he's feed my lambs. Look after my sheep. Feed my sheep. And he got offended. Said it to me three times. It's interesting that Peter was the early church leader. He was a pillar of the early church. He was the evangelist. He was the apostle in those days. God needed him to understand something, to lead these guys. Because he says here, next verse. Then this saying went out among the brethren that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say that to him that he would not die. But if I will that he remain till you come, what is it to you? Let's go to another story about Peter. Peter here was more interested about what... Peter was a tough guy, cursing guy, 
Like I said last week, Peter wasn't trying to chop the guy's ear off in the garden. He was trying to chop his head off. Peter was your man's man, if you want to say. But isn't it interesting now, if you go to Luke chapter 22, verse 31. Same, same person, Peter. I want to hear, show, show you something. That story we just read is towards the end of Jesus' ministry. They're walking on the beach. Jesus appears to them. Here, Peter, Jesus is talking to Peter. And look what he says. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has come. Now, Simon is Peter. Simon, Peter. His name was actually Simon. Jesus changed it to Peter. Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed that you, for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Now, if you talk to people in this modern day church and you say to someone, look, man, the devil's coming after you. Don't say that. Don't speak that over my life. I rebuke that. But hang on. Why didn't Peter say that to Jesus? See, sometimes we can take it out of context. Jesus here is telling Peter, listen, the devil's coming after you. And he's going to sift you. You know what sifting means? They get the wheat and they sift it till they get all the good stuff and all the weeds come from the bottom. He's coming after you. Hello, people. Flash news alert. The devil's coming after you. But Jesus didn't say, I rebuked him. Jesus didn't say, I beat him at the cross because he did. Didn't say that I've, I've taken his power because he did. He just said, I've prayed that your faith doesn't fail you. And he knew he was going to fall because the next thing he says to him, uh, I'll go anywhere with you. I'll get a job with you. I'll get a... He goes, no, you won't. He'll deny me three times, Peter. Here, he's already given him the restoration. He says, but when you return, strengthen, come and strengthen your brothers. Two different types of fear. Fear of missing out. Fear of what are you doing with him. Fear of jealousy. Fear of envy. All those little fears. And here, the devil's coming after me. But God understands what he's placed inside you. Amen. The devil can only touch what you give him. I don't walk in fear. I walk in faith. What's faith? Faith in that Christ has won the victory. Amen. That I am not any perfect love has cast out all fear. What does it mean perfect love has cast out all fear? A little child comes running. Come. Doesn't know me, he won't come. But if I know the child, he'll come. Why? I've shown him love. And that love takes away any fear for him. Now, that kid could be running to me. That kid does not know statistically one out of every four get abused or three out of every guys aren't who they say they are and two out of every guys are alcoholics. One doesn't know any statistics. He just knows that I've showed him love and that perfect love allows him to run to me. God showed his perfect love for us. We can come boldly to him with confidence and assurance. Why? Because of what Jesus did on the cross. In John chapter 1, verse, uh, John chapter 1, John 4, it says, test every spirit, for not all spirits are from God. And that's a very dangerous one. Because when you start getting spiritual, especially in the church, we think everything that's spiritual is of God. Yet nothing that comes out of here, this Bible, my, my blueprint, my architectural drawing, my manual is the Bible. If it's not in there, I don't believe it. You can't go outside the scripture. He says many have gone ahead. Many false prophets. Paul says, what gospel are you preaching? What Jesus are you preaching? And what spirit have you received? Very important. The Bible says the spirits that test all spirits. There are many false prophets going out. You see what he says? He says, 
if they confess Jesus Christ is Lord, they're from me. That's, that's, that's the test. Because you know what? God's love is so beautiful. We, 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 we sometimes, and I, and I often say this, that the love of God, how can I say this? There was a time in the church, in the church world, that it was all about fire and brimstone. You sin, you're going to hell. And all it was about judgment of God and that. Then we swung the pendulum. Someone had a revelation that just shall live by faith. It's a faith walk. It's not what you do. It's what he's done. And that's true. Then we swung it so far that the love of God, God, God is so much love, he can't send anyone to hell. Or God can never punish anyone. And both are wrong. Because the middle ground is here. It's because the love of God and the judgment of God that put Jesus on the cross. Are you hearing that? It's the love of God and our guilty verdict that put Christ on the cross that we didn't have to pay the sin. He did it on our behalf. Does that make sense? Why? Why? Did Jesus come to start another religion? He had one. The Jews had the Ten Commandments. And how many laws was there outside the 900? 600 odd laws to keep. We see Ten Commandments, but they had ceremonial laws, had a dress, had a wash, had a clean, had an iron, had a whatever. Law after law after law after law. So if Jesus, or if the Father wanted another religion, he had one. He didn't want another religion, he wanted a family. See, everything in the law of Moses, everything in the Jewish law, everything in the Old Testament was to point to Jesus. Because none of us can keep that law, amen? Newsflash, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But by his grace, Jesus steps out as a man and lives like a man and is tempted in every way. And then he lives his life and does not sin and then pays the price he didn't have to pay. Why? So the love of God can flow through him and to us so we, we all be adopted. Romans. One in Romans. Look at this, guys. If you get nothing else, get this. You, you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. Fear has to do with bondage. But you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. That's a good place to say amen. We did not receive a spirit of fear as we read earlier. We did not receive the spirit of bondage as we read here. But we have received the spirit of adoption with whom we cry out, Abba, Father. We're set free, amen? The devil's a liar. I often say the devil's on parole right now and he's causing havoc. But the weapons of our warfare aren't come, but it's mighty in God in pulling down strongholds. Why? Because we renew our mind to the mind of Christ. If there's a place in our life that we haven't submitted to Christ, submit that area, whether it's trust issues, whether it's a love issue, whether it's an you know, addiction issue. You know, I can tell you story after story, and then this ministry isn't just about the word on its own, but it's the word in the spirit bring life. See, if there's no life, don't come back. If, we having, if we're not putting life in you, don't come back. I'm not interested. But the word of the Lord, see, it's obedience to his word. It's submission to the Father through the Son and powered by the Holy Spirit. You can't have one without the other. Amen? Because his love is perfected in us. The love that's perfected in us is that God's love is perfect. We're not. And God overrides our imperfection to increase his perfection. That's why when I get to my knee and I bow down and I say, Lord, I've stuffed up today. I've done, I've messed up today. And the Lord says, while you are weak, I am strong. 
But if you don't understand God as Father yet, you've missed it all. He's your Father. I'm a son, you're a daughter in the kingdom of God. Every other religion is trying to get to him. But Jesus came to us. Every other religion is trying to please God. But Jesus says, I'm well pleased with you. How's this? That Peter confesses that, Lord, I'll go to jail for you. I'll die for you. Because he's going to deny me three times. Devil's coming to sift you, Peter. But in, in every rebuke he got, he put his foot in it every time. Every time he put his foot in it, God still made a way for him to come back. Hallelujah. We have a God that set, set us up, not for failure, he set us up for redemption. That God already had a plan to redeem us all. Because the love of God is perfect in us. The love of God is not meant to be misconstrued that you could do what you want, how you want to do it, and live your life and say God loves you. That's rubbish. That's like a wife saying to her husband, I can do what I want, you don't owe me this and that, and live every... Well, that's not a marriage. Children telling them, no, no, no. The love of God sustains me. It puts me solid in his love because I'm rooted and grounded in the love of God. No matter what comes my way, I know he loves me. It's his perfect love that casts out fear. It's his love of a son and as a daughter that I'm not in bondage anymore. I'm not under bondage anymore. I'm not a slave to anything anymore, to my traditions, to my sin, to my addictions, to my past. You know what? I am bound and, and, sh and ankle shackled with the love of Jesus. A perfect love casts out all fear. Hallelujah. First Corinthians 13.7 comes out of the love chapter. In New King James, it says that Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. In the New Living Translation, it says this way, love never gives up. You can say it this way, God is love and God never gives up on you. Never loses faith in you. It always has hope and endures through every circumstance. God is love. The Bible doesn't say God loves. God is love. The Bible says God is light. And in him, there's no darkness at all. God is love. That's who he is. You can't say to an apple and an apple tree, you're not an apple tree, you're not an apple. That's who it is. That's what it is. Well, God is love. God chose to love us from eternity. His love is enormous. Because our love is conditional. Let's be honest. Our love is conditional. You know, you've heard many mums say to their kids, if you love me, you won't go out with that boy. If he really loved me, you would have mowed the grass. If he really loved you, he would have visited me. It's all conditioned. It's all conditional. The love of God is eternal. Agape, which means unconditional love. Even if you spit on him, you can't change him. He still loves you. The Bible says that Judas threw the coins and ran. And I'm telling you now, Judas, God loves Judas to the end. Because you can't change God's heart. God is love. Amen? Hallelujah. I'm enjoying myself. Let's go back for a second. The spirit of fear didn't come from God. Internal fear, God has already healed them on the cross. The fear of the Lord is the Holy Spirit's job to bring us into his presence to understand who we really is. 
The greatest work of idolatry in someone's heart is not owning a car or praying to a statue. He's making God in your image and your likeness. When God says, I've made you in my image and my likeness. I don't make God in my own image. I don't tell people about God because it comes from my, I come from what the word of God says and what he's done for me. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the, if you've seen me, you've seen the, if he says, show us the father, he's talking about this father all the time. You got to understand the Jews didn't understand God as father. He was almighty God. He was El Shaddai. He was, he was uh, Adonai. He was all these amazing uh, God in the, in the desert. And he was the God of deliverance. He was the God of healing. He was the God of, of all these different. And Jesus comes along and says, our father who art in heaven. Wow. He came to make his father our father. Broke all religion right there. He says, but if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Many years ago, I used to think, okay, in my early days, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Jesus used to say, I only do what I see my father do because I come from the father. All authority has been given unto me from the father. Then I read in Acts, it says, Jesus, listen to me. If he says, you've seen me, you've seen the father. In other words, Jesus is saying, if you've seen the things I do and how I live my life and the miracles that I've done for you, that's a replication of what my father will do in heaven. And then if that's the case, in Acts chapter 1, 4, I think it was 4, 1, it says, he says, Jesus went about doing good and healing those oppressed of the devil. It doesn't say Jesus went about condemning people. It doesn't say Jesus went about doing bad or blaming you. He says he went about doing good and healing those of the devil. That's the nature and the character of Jesus. And if that's, you see me, you see my father, that's God's nature. That means I know who God is because I know I can see it through the eyes of Jesus. Amen? We've got to get this idea that if we haven't settled the love factor, we can never move any further to him. I'm rooted and grounded in the love of God. Oh, but this circumstance happened. I don't care. Jesus loves me. But the circumstances have changed. I don't care. Jesus has loved me. He healed me on the cross. My healing has been paid for 2,000 years ago. I just have to receive now. If you're on the journey of healing, keep believing. Keep, don't, don't beg him. Thank him for your healing. If you're busted financially, thank him for your provision. If you're addicted to something, thank him. Why are you doing that addiction? I want to give up smoking. Thank him for, for not smoking. But I'm wanting up a cigarette. Who cares? But I feel like a hypocrite. It's not about what you feel. It's about what he's done. Tell yourself, speak the words into existence that you are delivered from cigarettes or any addiction for that matter. Speak as he sees you how to speak. He sees it. As he is, so are we in this world. Jesus was never sick. Jesus was never unloved. Jesus was never, he was in not. Jesus gave us everything pertaining to life. He goes, but do you believe? The disciples asked him a question. What are the works we must do to please heaven? Or to, to do the works of heaven. Guess what he said? Who knows what he said? Just believe in me. I am. It's like when Moses said to God, who do I say you are? You tell me to go to Pharaoh. He's the, 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 the most powerful man in the world at that time. He ran the biggest empire of the world. The Egyptian empire. Egyptian empire. Am I picking on anyone from Egypt here? 
also with someone today, he's Egyptian, and he started firing up. I go, listen, last time Egyptians fired up, the sea closed on you, and you all drowned, so relax. <laughs> the, 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 the strongest, the most powerful, I lost what I was thinking of saying now, anyway. And he goes, you want me to go there? All right, who do I say you are? I'm talking to a burning bush that's not burning. It's on fire, but doesn't burn. He says, I am who I am. That helps. I am who I am. What are you saying? I am. I don't need to tell you where I'm from. Do I have no beginning and no end? I am. I exist. And the great I am lives in you. Oh, hallelujah. The great I am who answers to no one. Gives us his spirit. Adopts us into the family. Makes us children of God. And he goes, I know you're frail. I know you're humans. Yeah. I'll put my spirit in you. And I know you don't know how to pray properly, so I'll put the Holy Ghost in you, pray in tongues so you can bypass your natural mind. I'll do all these things for you because I want you. But the greatest gift he could ever give us was salvation through the blood of Jesus. He gives us the, the gift of his spirit and redeems us and our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And out of that, just out of that, knowing, see, most people don't care about that. See, for me, it wasn't the fear of going to hell growing up and playing up and fighting in the street and everything I used to do as a kid and as a teenager and, and, and doing everything that's contrary to the, to, to the gospel. That, the fear of going to hell didn't bring me to the Lord. It was the love of God that brought me to him. And when I realized his love for me, I looked back and went, wow, I was going to hell. I'm not saying that doesn't get you into the kingdom. I'm not saying that you have a revelation of hell. But what I'm saying is it's his love that brings me and sustains me. Because when I understood how good he was, I realized how terrible I was. I understood where he's taken me, and I realized, look where I was going. And we don't understand this, but as parents, I often say this, you win the fathers, you win the family, you win the family, you win the nation. Why? I don't get saved. Maybe my family don't get saved, and I've got to, I'm taking a generation to hell. But God, enriching his mercy and love, set me free. Hallelujah. He set you free. You're not sitting here by mistake. See, you've come to join a church or religion, wrong place. We're part of a family and God's just bringing his lost children home. Hallelujah. He wants to bring his children home. I'll close with this. Hallelujah. FOMO can keep you out of fellowship. What do you mean? I went to fellowship. Yeah, but when I first got saved, I went to every Bible study I could find. I was so excited. I just wanted to learn. Because God said to me one day, but you're going to see everybody else about me, but you're not sitting with me. And that's a place. We all do it. But FOMO, the fear of missing out, fear of what someone else has, fear of, you know what? The, the biggest one is someone gets healed and someone doesn't, and the one that doesn't get healed says, God doesn't love me. And that's a lie from the pit of hell. I've been in a room where someone gets out of a wheelchair and one person didn't get healed from a headache. I said, leave it to God. Keep trusting God. He's the healer, not man. Not any. He's the healer. Once you put yourself in that place where you think it's all about you, you've just destroyed it. This is his final story. It's about a goose. I heard this story, I loved it. It's about a goose. There's two kids on a farm. And the girl, the, daughter, the sister, was tormenting the little brother. She said, I bet you can't get a rock and hit grandma's goose. He said, I bet you I can. 
He gets the rock and he throws it from about 50 metres away and he hits the goose. He's like, got it. The problem was the goose died. And now, oh my God, we killed grandma's goose. And the sister goes, you killed it, not me. For the rest of the week, the kid's in panic mode. He's in torment mode that we just killed the goose. It's grandma's favourite goose. And they were having dinner one night and this guy's on edge. These little kid's on edge. And the sister says, can you can do the dishes? He goes, it's not my turn, it's your turn. So I'll tell grandma about the goose or I'll do the dishes. He's doing the dishes. Next day, it's your turn to vacuum. No, it's your turn to vacuum. He goes, I'll tell grandma about the goose. And the kids, I'll tell mama. He starts doing the vacuum. And this went on for a week, clean the toilets. It's your turn to clean the toilets. No, no, I'll tell grandma about the goose. Oh. So this guy lived in torment and fear for one week, thinking that grandma, if he finds out he killed the goose, he's in trouble. And then one day, after a week of this, the sister rode it home to her as far as she could. Finally, she goes, oh, you've got to go and do something. Take the bids out. He goes, that's it. He goes, oh, no, I'm not doing it. He goes, well, I'm going to go tell grandma. He goes, no, I'm going to go tell grandma. He storms up to grandma and says, grandma, I killed your goose. She goes, I know. He goes, what do you mean you know? He goes, I saw you do it. He says, why didn't you say something? He goes, I wanted you to come and tell me. But what did you have to walk around in fear and get intimidated and be under bondage and walk around someone having something over your head? Come up to me and receive mercy in a time of need. Hallelujah. Can we stand? Don't walk around with fear, intimidation. You're, how dumb do we think that we won't come to God to get healing because we think we've sinned, but God saw the sin anyway. He also saw the blood of Jesus on the cross. He also knows you and loves you. And you know what he does? He makes a way when there was no way. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man can come to the Father except through me. What was he saying then? Was he making that harder? He saying, no, the only way to the Father is through the blood of Jesus, my death on the cross. And I open up the door so you don't have to walk in fear, bondage, intimidation anymore. You walk by faith. You come to your Father and receive all that he has for you. Don't let someone hang over. This story of that little girl was a type of shadow of the devil having it over your head. Every day you feel like something good's going to happen. The devil says, yeah, but look what happened last week, what you did. Or last time you had a relationship. Or last time you lost your house. Or last time you got sick. And he's a liar from the pit of hell. But you know what? It's time to turn around and say, devil, in the name of Jesus, the blood speaks louder than your accusations. And I am a child of God. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I don't care what you say about me because I don't care what you say about me. All I know is what Jesus says about me. And he says, I'm fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. I'm his child and I'm adopted into his family. That's your confession. I don't know how to pray. That's what you say. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee. In other words, don't give him a minute, a second of your time. Because he loves you. Religion has made it so hard because they put their fix on it. But the grace of God is unmerited. It's a favor. If I do you a favor, you didn't deserve it. I did it out of the goodness of my heart. Well, God did you the unmerited favor. You don't deserve it, but he gave you freely what he did at the cross. And the benefits of the cross is for you, that he loves you. You might be in a fight in your life now. 
But God has got you. God wants to strengthen you to overcome. He's the conqueror, and we are more than conquerors. This is for someone tonight. If we could, if you could all repeat after me, we have to be out of here a bit early tonight, so. But I want to rush what the Holy Spirit's doing. So we're going to pray a prayer. I'm going to say it, you're going to repeat it. We're going to make a public declaration and a profession of what God is, who He is to us. Amen? So He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him I will trust because I have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the Most High, my dwelling place. No evil shall befall me, nor shall any plague come near me. My dwelling, for he, he shall give me his angels charge over me to keep me in all his ways. For you have made me a refuge, a strong tower against my enemies. I long to dwell in your tent forever and take me in refuge in the shelter of your wings. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come? It comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The Lord watches over me. The Lord is my shade and my right hand. Father, I thank you for everyone today. That we are dwelling in the shadow of the Most High. A shadow is a representative of you. The Holy Spirit is your shadow upon us. That we are fixed and we are planted in the love of God. For every person here tonight, Father, you would speak to their hearts tonight. It's not a head knowledge, it's a heart knowledge. That you would penetrate through their spirit man. They would know how much the Father loves them tonight. That there is no fear in love, but perfect love is cast out of all fear. We can come boldly to your throne. We can sit at your feet and receive grace in a time of need. Thank you for your mercy tonight. Thank you for your grace tonight. If you don't know Jesus tonight, it's simple. The Bible says, whoever believes in his heart that Jesus is Lord and confesses from his mouth that God raised him from the dead shall be saved. That it's from the heart that we believe in and from the mouth that we confess. Today is the day of your salvation. Today is the day of not just being saved and put into heaven with, written in the Lamb's Book of Life, but the salvation of your soul, of your spirit, of your flesh. I pray that the Holy Ghost would touch people to you tonight. I exalt you. Your name is above every name, Lord. The name of Jesus is above every depression, every sickness, every disease, every plague, every depression, every mindset that's against the knowledge of God. Your name is above every name. We call on the name of Jesus and we give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap, eh? I love you tonight. That word was placed in my spirit this morning. And I believe I was obedient enough to share it. Because sometimes we need to get rid of some cobwebs. For those who have been here a while, sometimes you get a lot of information and we need it to, to germinate. We need, it to, we need to, to, to absorb what God's doing. For those who are in you, we love you. We, we welcome you to the family. But just understand, His love is perfect in you. Amen. Amen. Have a great evening. God bless you. We'll see you.